Welcome to the season finale of Your Authentic Life. We're going to leave that. <laughs> it's your mistake there. That is staying. <laughs> Stop. Uh, going? Yeah. <laughs> you always said you wanted me on the show all here, right? <laughs> Stop. Authentic Life with Josiah Ball. Welcome to the season finale of season two of Your Authentic Life. I'm your host, Josiah Ball, here, and I am excited about this episode. It's a little longer than our past episodes, but it has so much juice in it, you're not going to want to press pause. But if you do, go ahead, press pause, but don't forget to finish it. And uh, I wanted to separate into two episodes, but I kept it all in one because I think it's important to keep it all in one because I think you should listen to it all the way through. Uh, we Again, we are taking a pause for the summer, and I'll tell more details about that at the end of this episode. So uh, make sure you don't turn it off at the end so you can hear some uh, of the details that will be happening over the summer and into the fall uh, for season three. So without further ado, I had the honor and privilege of interviewing my dad, Chris Ball, president of Elam Fellowship, and uh, about uh, our calling versus our assignment. So if you're there listening, give a round of applause for Chris Ball. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Your Authentic Life, the last episode of season two. I am so sad season two is ending, but also so happy because we get a, we got a lot of planning for season three coming out this fall or yeah, beginning of fall, end of summer. So uh, if you're talking about the seasons and how they go, it is still technically summer, but we are moving into fall and we have some great guests lined up, some guest ex- um, experiences and some new things happening with the podcast. But today we have a very special guest dear to my heart. It is my dad, Chris Ball, president of Elam Fellowship, uh, pastor of uh, for many years of just uh, at a church and of different people. And now he's pastoring pastors, missionaries, youth pastors, uh, all of the same uh, thing when it comes to ministry. And here he is, everybody, Pastor Chris Ball, my dad. Hey, everyone. Good to be on the show, Josiah. What an honor to end this season with you. What a what a privilege for me. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm uh I know that uh, you have a lot to talk about, and you could probably be on multiple podcasts talking about many different things, uh, church building, for instance, and pastoring and uh, different topics of that sort, stuff that I've just learned being growing up in the church with you um, and just being around you. Uh, But for today, we'll just get into one topic, and then maybe we'll have you on, or maybe you should start your own podcast. So you... (laughs) are coming off of a year exciting year of heart surgery you had the oasis conference and uh what what's happening now tell us tell us a little bit about 
going through your heart surgery back in January and now uh, putting on conferences and now where you are. Yeah. Uh, as you know, and some of the people listening might know, in 2018, uh, I had open heart surgery and I had a double bypass. That was after a year before I got a stent from a heart attack. Uh, fortunately, I didn't do any damage to the heart because they put the stent in in time. And then they've been watching me pretty closely. So even though I had a bypass, double bypass in 2018, um, I still didn't hurt the heart. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what they found out was that that surgery, that original surgery, was not completely done correctly or didn't didn't fuse together in my sternum. And so I went uh, into the doctor and they said, you need a valve replacement. And however, the pain that you're experiencing is from uh, that sternum not fusing. So they ended up going back in, which was a scary, scary for thing for me. Right. But uh, it started hurting so bad that it, that it was excruciating pain. So I went in on January 13th. And the cool thing is, is uh, it was the difference between night and day when I came out of that surgery. I uh, you know, here I am, uh, what is it? Four and a half, five months later. Right. And uh, when I'm recording this and, uh, and I was using a chainsaw yesterday, I was raking my leaves. I was, uh, cutting grass. I was, um, you know, using a hedge trimmer, uh, doing all everything I do and, uh, no pain whatsoever, really. I mean, there is a little tenderness still, but, uh, I'm, uh, I worked out this morning on a treadmill. So, as far as my heart and as my health, I'm doing extremely well and I'm extremely grateful. Awesome. But as far as uh, you asked the question about my ministry, we had a an amazing Oasis conference back here in May. And uh, and then uh, we also had, um, you know, uh, you know, I'm back on the road. I'm, I'm having the opportunity to go visit churches. And uh, this past weekend, for example, my wife, Carol and I, uh, mom and I, uh, we were on the road and we got to go to Connecticut and be a part of an ordination service. Uh, I'm just real glad to be back out there and uh, seeing people, connecting with people. As you know, I have a love for pastors. I've always had a love for pastors, even though uh, for all those years I pastored a church, I still felt like someday God might give me an opportunity. And today I'm doing that. I, I get to work with a whole team of people at Elam Fellowship, caring mm -hmm. for pastors and caring for churches. So that's what I, I'm doing. And uh, I've got a lot of energy and uh, God's doing some new things as we move forward too. Awesome. Awesome. That's, yeah. It's a lot of exciting uh, stuff you have going on and uh, continue to go on. And I know that you have a lot still in you to um, continue. Um, for instance, you probably have a couple books in you that people want to read, and then you have uh, other things going on as well. Uh, but yeah, so I wanted to get into, you know, over your, you know, 20 plus almost 30 years, maybe, well, over 30 years of ministry now. Um, I'm just thinking of pastoral ministry, but over 30 years of ministry work, you have learned a lot when it comes to the topic of your calling. And this is, you know, something I've heard a lot uh, growing up that, you know, people I think have misused in the church, uh, misused, um, have been abused with in the church. And that is the topic of calling. Um, people saying things like, what is your calling? And like, oh, you're called to this or, or you're, you know, like, uh, 
or people saying like, oh, that's not your calling because you're not gifted in it and things like that. And, um, you know, you yeah. kind of helped me understand more of what the calling is. And I think it's relevant for our listeners to understand a deeper meaning of calling when it comes to a biblical life and uh, life here and now on this earth. Um, you know, is calling just in the church? Is calling... Uh, doing uh your job to the fullest what what is calling to you and how does that uh unfold in a, in your daily life and if you want to unpack that let's we can get into that topic yeah sure uh i think just to go back on what you said at the opening of that uh you know the abuse of calling i think you know elam fellowship has been an organization that recognizes apostolic ministry we recognize prophetic ministry we recognize all kinds of things but there's become i think an area of abuse uh that you may have referred to and this is worldwide by the way it's not just in the united states right there's become there's become a, a self sort of identification with a call uh it's it, the, the real heart behind calling needs to obviously come from god but it also needs to be witnessed among uh people who've been in proven ministry and uh, in, in their own apostolic ministry. But uh, there's countries right now and even here in the United States. And this is no uh, this is not negative to any organization that might use these titles. Uh, in fact, I, there's a lot of great organizations that have systems in place that mm -hmm. recognize apostles among them. They recognize, uh, you know, uh, prophets, people who move in the office of the prophet, the office of teacher, the office of an evangelist, the fivefold ministry in Ephesians. But what tends to happen a lot of times is it becomes uh, it's, it becomes a place where uh, there's self-appointment to apostleship or mm. self-appointment to a, some kind of identification. And in my mind, in, in my mind, that gets dangerous. That gets dangerous when the only person that really recognizes you as a prophet is the guy in the mirror and yeah. uh, or a couple of yes people that are around you. Um, again, I, um, I'm fondly recognized by several people uh, in some movements that recognize me as bishop. They actually, when I visit their church, they call me bishop. Uh, when I go to uh, other nations, I've been called um, doctor. I'm, I don't even have a doctor degree, but right. I've been recognized. It's kind of a respect thing that people do. But uh, at the end of the day, I think the identification of calling, whether it's apostle or uh, pastor or teacher, or evangelist, uh, you know, uh, what, whatever role uh, that the person might be playing, uh, called to uh, other forms of ministry. I think the key and the most important thing is who is doing the calling. Right. Um, you know, for example, uh, uh, just we just had an ordination, and I said, in that ordination, I said, you know, Elam Fellowship is not the one who ordains. God ordains people in positions. And what Elam Fellowship does is the Council of Elders, we take people through a process, mm -hmm. process of discovery, and uh, we basically come alongside and say, we recognize proven ministry, character, godliness, courage, all sorts of things that, uh, that, that we believe in that person. But ultimately, we're coming alongside of what God has already recognized. So the key thing is, who does the calling? And right. uh, obviously, we believe 
there's a process, but it must start with God. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, sometimes people, um, you know, will be sitting in like their church service or, you know, and, and will be like, you know, seeing somebody who's on stage, super charismatic in their personality and then be like, I want to do that. Not necessarily a calling, not necessarily a bad desire either. There could be a burden or a desire on their heart that I want to preach. I feel, and then how does that, how do you, how would you balance the want for the stage versus want for what God has for you? Like, because there could be a genuine, like, wow, there's something that's stirred up in me that wants to preach and teach, but they also could be uh, meshed and messy with uh, the desire to just be in front of people and, and um, get a status. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think, uh, I think anytime you're in ministry, anytime you're doing something with the Lord, there's always going to be this battle between the, the flesh of man and the humanity of man versus the humility of man mm. there, there's a there's a clear uh battle that goes on i mean uh, it, the 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 real word that i would use behind what we're talking about here is the word motive what is the motive mm. uh in your heart and that can be anything from for example um when i preach i try to be humorous but if i'm only being humorous so that i want people to feel good about me that's a selfish and a self-centered motive not that i obviously i would like people to think i'm funny but if that's my only motive then i right. then i think you got to work on it i would say too uh, especially in the area excuse me in the area of pastoral calling a lot of times uh people uh, who are um, uh, pastors who are called to pastoral ministry, it comes out of a heart of caring for people. But it's also very sensitively could be a heart of uh, uh, of that pastor to have people care for them. Right. There's a desire that, that, you know, so, so you know how it is when you visit hospitals, you always hear people say this stuff when you visit hospitals, you say, I went to encourage them, but they encouraged me. Right. But really what tends to happen, what tends to happen is, is uh, they didn't even have to say anything. You just feel good. It feels good to be in ministry and help people. It feels good. Uh, you and I've talked about this, about how good it feels when, when God has showed up in one of your messages and you knew that the Holy Spirit blew on that sermon that you preached. And, right. uh, and next thing you know, you, the first thing you want to do is call dad and say, Hey dad, you can't believe how good it went this morning. And I said, well, of course I can, because God has anointed you and he's mm -hmm. called you. But again, now we start to feel good about that. The thing we have to do, though, is the minute we start feeling good about that kind of stuff is 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 accept the fact that it's a joyful thing to serve the Lord. But but the best motive can can only be settled in that we're humble. And the Bible tells us to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. And right. then he us up so you're going to end up lifted up anyway but it's better to do it in humility and uh recognize that god god really was doing that through you and and uh and again uh because he's human he's using human vessels we obviously at times have to wrestle with that fight that can be within us to um to identify the real heart behind the calling and the, and the ministry but yeah so i think uh 
those are the things that we chase. Those are the things that we have to be careful of. And for me personally, I think I've talked about accountability to you through my entire yeah. life. And uh, a lot of people, when they think of uh, when they think of uh, accountability, uh, they always think it's accountability for areas of some kind of a moral protection against a morality failure of some sort. But to me, uh, it's equally as important that I have accountability in the areas of pride, in the areas of uh, arrogance, uh, in the areas yeah. of, of 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 what comes out of my mouth and uh, so forth. So, yeah. Yeah. I would say even on, um, I guess, what would you say to the opposite side of, of that? Like the the want for something versus the um, complete disregard for the calling or the oh, yeah. Im imposter syndrome where people are like, I don't feel like I'm actually yeah. meant for this. I tried it. I don't feel like I'm good at it. Uh, but there's still that, like, I know I, there's something there for it, but I'm completely like Jonah yeah. going away from the call to Nineveh or whatever yeah. um, out yeah. of fear or an imposter syndrome or, um, even even others you know putting you down or or whatever it, whatever it may look like what would, what would you say into that because that happens well, a lot well let's start out with the positive side of that first and that is you know excuse me i was sitting in um i was sitting in a church in uh 1980 I, excuse me, about probably 19, uh, yeah, 1980, I would say somewhere around there. I got saved in 1978, which by the way, that was my first calling. I was mm -hmm. called to become a son of God. Yeah. I was called to become the son of the most high, uh, to be called into, it says in first Corinthians one, nine, uh, first Corinthians one, nine, it says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, which means that's the highest calling. You know, I, I can talk all day long about being called to pastor, called to other ministries, uh, called to do, do, do kinds of ministries. But the, listen, if you, if you've missed that first one, we're in trouble, right? right? So that was, that was 1978, but 1980, I'm sitting there in my, and I was a car mechanic. I had just begun to work for CBN 700 club. And as I was working for them on cars and stuff, I was beginning to get this desire in me to teach. I was beginning to get this desire to, in this little Baptist church, I was saying, man, I'd love to be able to do some of those teaching. I don't know where it came from. Uh, I, it seemed to come out of nowhere. I really didn't see myself as a teacher at the time. I certainly didn't think I had any leadership skills, but I felt this tug on my heart back in 1980. And uh, and the Bible says, by the way, for him or her who is called to be an elder or who desires to be an elder, it's it's a good thing. So I think if there's something being stirred in me, stirred in us, it's not a bad thing. It's a good right. thing. And right. I think I think the problem is one of the reasons I think that uh, one of the reasons I think you said, what about people around you not identifying with your calling or something like that is is the problem is, is the, the Bible says there's a prophet doesn't have any honor in his own home. Mm. And, and, you know, and I think there is that sense of, Hey, we know who Jesus is. Jesus was the guy, I think it's in John chapter. I can't remember the chapter in John, but, but it talks about, Hey, to, to talking about Mary, it says, Mary, aren't you the one? Uh, no, he, no, talking to, to Jesus, it says, aren't you the one who was born from a, an illegitimate, pregnancy you know that right. kind of a 
And uh, and in the in 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 that phrase in the original, they're basically saying, "Aren't you?" I think it's chapter seven or verse forty-one, something like that. But but it's like it's like um, they were calling Jesus a bastard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he doesn't have any he doesn't have any honor in his own home, right? Because right. they know he's they know he's this carpenter over there, and they know he gets frustrated. Uh, they they've seen him get bothered by things, you know, because. Right. Because people are behaving in ways that don't please his father. He came to please the father. So even Jesus, I think, was antagonized by the earthliness of his of who he was. So right. but you know, that's that's this listen, Joe, this, Josiah, this is the most important thing I'll say to you today. And that is this. Listen, knowing your calling is from God is the most important thing. Because here's the deal. What when I when I first went to South Butler, there was 36 people who came to the church, 24 people were on the board, which would just about kill you if you have 24 people on a board, but uh, especially if a church of size of 36. Right. And and I just went there and loved people. Mom and I, we just cared about people and stuff like that. Church started to grow, started to grow, started to grow. And I remember the day that we we had we had started growing so much we needed a building. And and all of a sudden, uh in fact, my 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 good friend Stacy Klein, who was my accountability person for so many years, uh, he said to me when I would talk about the call of God, I feel so called, I feel so called. He said, You need to remember that for when you get into the difficult times. Mm-hmm. Well, this whole time I had this uh, whole group of uh people in my church that was probably around 150 people. We made pledges for the next three years to build a $256,000 building. And one Sunday I showed up to church and I I started asking, where's so-and-so, where's so-and-so, where's so-and-so, you know, I'm a shepherd, I'm looking for my sheep. Uh And next thing you know, I found out this one pastor who was in our church at the time had started a church 10 minutes away up in, in Walcott, New York, Uh Walcott, call it started a church in Wolcott with about 50 people from my church without having one conversation for me wow. listen that morning that's when you need to know you're called by god and not by man you need yeah. to know in your heart that you're called by god and not by man and there's moments like that through all 27 years of my serving in that church uh you know and now in elam fellowship i'm here i'm serving elam fellowship for eight additional years now um and um same thing did god call me to this position and anytime you have moments and every one of us does i mean i didn't have many when i was over at the uh over at the lighthouse over in south butler mm-hmm. but 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 when i came here you know uh it's a whole different world pastoring pastors and leading pastors but you got to know your calling now let me let me mention something to you that i know that you might want to get into because i've talked to you about this before and that is um, there's a difference between an assignment and a calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians, he says, as, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received and live with all lowliness, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another in love. So that means that's that humility we talked about. That's that meekness we talked about, patience and forbearance, all those kinds of things. Each one of those, by the way, has a teaching of its own. How do you handle patience? How do you handle forbearance? How do you handle those kinds of things? Well, anyway, I have been sensed since 1980, I have sensed that God called me to be a pastor. Yeah. <clears throat> 
but when I became the president of Elam, uh, when I became the president of Elam Fellowship, I didn't change my title to President Chris. Some people joke around and call me El Presidente and uh -huh. the Prezi or something like that because they're friends and they're loving and they care about me and they just want to endorse me. But you know what? I it's it's I'm still called to be a pastor. I'm called to pastor people. I'm called to pastor uh, uh, people that have. Uh, churches i'm called to pastor people who are in churches i'm i'm called to pastor pastors uh but i have a new assignment my right. first assignment was a local church now my assignment is and and there'll come a day when i get a different assignment it doesn't change my calling it doesn't change who i am it doesn't change what i'm really called to now not everybody i want to be clear not everybody has a five-fold ministry call like I do. Some people are just called to have a general call, the general call to serve, the general call to say, hey, uh, you know, I'm I'm just here to serve. I'm, I'm here to be a Christian that serves. I think we're all called to the Great Commission, for example. We're called to win people to Christ. We're right. called to evangelists. We're called to equip servants. Uh, we're called... Um, to lead. We're called uh to uh you know to 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 be a teacher or whatever. Uh there may not be a specific office calling, mm. but some general calling. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So so that's that's where my heart's at when it comes to that. It's it's just that, you know, are we are we called number I guess what I said earlier, are we called to God? By the way, there's another thing before we get to <laughs> before we get to a, a title calling or a ministry calling or an assignment. There's a call to God, but there's also a call to holiness. Yeah, are you with me? So mm -hmm. God has called us to have a behavior that's like Jesus. Be holy as I am holy. God said, and uh, and so again, that's found in First Corinthians chapter one, one through nine. You can find it in there. It says, "I've called you to be saints." Mm -hmm. And he's not, he, he's not talking about us just being Christians there. He's talking about a holiness. He's talking about being behavioral. And in the New Testament, the sainthood of all believers is, okay, you're identified with God as a son, but you're also identified with God as a, as, as a saint. And then finally, you're called into service. So those are three S's for your good sermon in the future, Joey, right. is we're called to be a son or daughter. We're called to be a saint, which is holy. That's a behavior. And we're called because there's nothing that we're doing. Listen, there's nothing we're doing in our Christian walk, no matter what we're called to, without works being attached to it. Right. This comes without works. Grace, you know, grace is the favor of God towards us for undeserving. It's not, it, that, we don't have to work for grace. But then there's a grace uh, I think our, you know, you you talked about John Mark Comer, John Tyson. They talk about a grace that tutors us along as mm -hmm. we work out our salvation, you know, right. and so forth. So there's levels of calling, and I think you just got to have it. But again, back to why I said all that. I said that to say we've got to be clear. There's a big difference between assignment and calling. And uh, um, to be honest with you, I think my generation and older people have have put themselves in position to where they feel like they're called forever to something and not, not because of that, they haven't 
continue to reach out and raise, I give a hand up to people who are coming so that they might be able to walk with them so they can fulfill their calling. To me, that's the number one job that I have in my ministry as a president right now. I continue to do it. I do it in small scale. I'm hoping to scale it out by others eventually. But my goal is always going to be Listen, how can I give a hand up to the next generations that are behind us so that they can hear the calling God for their lives too? Wow. It's good. Yeah. It's important. It's good. Yeah. It's important. So those are the things that I would tell you about calling and, uh, and uh, you know, um, by the way, the Bible says that your calling is irrevocable. How about that? It says that uh, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. In other words, you can't run from a calling. You can you can give it up, but it's right. not it's not irrevocable. And uh, and then a calling is subjective as well. Uh, you know, it's not your calling. You could be a pastor, which I believe God's put a pastoral call on your life. I believe that. And uh, but your how you will pastor is subjective to how you are versus how I might pastor or how I might do it. It, it. it it comes along with certain giftings that you have. It comes along with certain. And again, <clears throat> my role as a president is completely different assignment than my role was as a um, as a, a, a pastor, a senior pastor of a local church or a lead pastor, they call it now. So, yeah. so subjectivity comes into play. Um, um and uh, uh, and and so does uh, you know the mindset of assignment comes into play. Uh, another thing I want to say, and then you know I can maybe we can bounce back and forth on some some questions. Is this the call of doesn't start with f- friends? It starts with God, right? But but here's the key thing: friends witness and testify to that calling. Are you with mm-hmm. me? Yeah. And 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 and, and unfortunately, unfortunately. Uh, a lot of us get it the other way around it and, and it starts with friends but but i think we have to let let get honest with ourselves and say do i really know in my inner most being uh i am called to do an assignment called right. to be an assignment to right. be a, a, an apostle a prophet a pastor a teacher it starts with god confirmed by friends yeah, that's that's how it goes. So that's how I feel about it. Wow. Yeah, I guess th- there's a lot to unpack when it comes to the topic, you know, you know, things like how come God uses people who completely, um, you know, uh, let's take like the recent. Yeah. You know, topics of of leaders falling in the church who had that assignment had that calling on their lives and went for it and built incredible churches very dynamic speakers and anointed in in a lot of ways um you know and i want to get into more of a topic uh, outside of um even just church ministry uh, eventually as we end uh, but when it comes to the people like that God uses that are still anointed, still doing incredible things, but then all of a sudden are caught in a, in a trap or something that, that, uh, really 
almost taints their call or, you know, kind of going back to that the topic of your call to holiness um, within the call of it all. Uh, uh, I guess, how, why, wh- how does God use that? Why does God use that person who, who is prone to that? And if God's all knowing, why would he even call that person yeah. to that? Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think, I think that's uh there's probably some good discussion there regarding the whole context of uh the uh, you know the the whole context of sovereignty but also the the context of um uh you know um the free will that comes into play so not just sovereignty but free will but let, let me just say something i've never really talked about this publicly i I don't know even if I've shared this with you privately. I mean, in our home, we can have all kinds of conversations as father, sons, and daughter. But uh, but uh, and mom, of course, we we're a family that ministers and has ministered for years. Mm-hmm. But but um, but but let me let me just share with you one of the things, the observations that I've learned, and I think that this this is a big one right here. We as the church, when I say the church, I mean the people of God, not the you know, and I'm not even talking about necessarily uh, a small local church. I'm talking about the big C church, mm-hmm. the who are called by God individually. Those people who are called by one of the consistent things that I've noticed, and I mean, I see this in smaller churches. I see it in larger churches. I see it in um, in organizations, ministries. I see it in uh, secular fields where people mm-hmm. who are believers, what I'm about to share with you is a con is a, a consistent thread of something that I see that brings people into a place where they have this amazing call of God on their lives to be a lawyer, a call of God to be a doctor, a mm-hmm. call of God to be a pastor, whatever it is. But the big thing that I see that causes people uh, and 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 it shows up more in the local church now nowadays. And and this is this this is this is the word that I think captures it. And that is is um, there's one word, but I'm going to explain the word. And that is I feel that Christians have not done well when it comes to having power, mm. having power. I've seen, I've seen. Uh, you you got to imagine i've seen churches under 45 people having power struggles in their car, in their in their leadership teams because of power being a problem for christian leaders to handle mm-hmm. there's i'm not talking about authority but authority is a part of it but when we get a little power and to be honest with you when one of the reasons i think we've seen some of the greats, people that you and I both have adorned, uh, adored, and uh, uh, several in the last several years. I remember a good fifteen years ago, you giving me a um, a recording uh, of a, a particular guy who was speaking. I think it was I put I brought it down on my iPod, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, before you know what we do today with the uh, podcast, but. But but I remember you giving me one of a great speaker who grew an amazing, amazing church, and we'll keep his name out of it. But 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 listen, he got power. He got mm-hmm. power. He got power. It's that celebrity thing that we call today. But I've seen I've seen control. I've seen fits of anger. 
I've seen abuse. Mm-hmm. I've seen of narcissistic, let me go there, narcissistic behavior with people who have a genuine call of God. I've right. seen I've seen narcissistic behavior in people who could preach me under the table. Right. They're excellent preachers. I've also been around some some people that I think personally are absolute they they Billy Graham uh Jack Hayford uh two people that I've had the privilege of uh at different levels sitting with and I've seen them and somehow or another you know God kept them and I'll tell you I'll tell you what I I was able to be with Jack Hayford at a very significant level and he he shared he shared with a bunch of pastors who used to meet with him regularly, and I was one of them. And uh, he shared about the 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 struggle that comes inside of us as human beings when when though we are saved, though we're called to be saints, there's this 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 claw that wants to destroy the mm-hmm. call of a man, a call of a woman, uh, you know, um, and. Uh, and I'm just so grateful that we have people like in our past, and there are people out there today. In fact, let me say it this way. There are churches all over America under the size of 200, all over America, right. that we point to who of people who are faithful. And in my mind, they're successful because they've been faithful. Yeah. Are you with me? And they're not only faithful to serve that community that they're pastoring or leading. They're not only faithful to their marriage. They're not only faithful to God they're, and they're faithful to their own congregation. They're faithful to holiness and they're faithful to humility. It's all over. Yeah. But, but one of the things I've noticed as a consistent thing is the minute a person starts to get power, the question is, is how do we handle that power? And I think, uh, honestly, I think that's where power struggles come in. That's where narcissism comes in. Mm-hmm. That's where uh, insecurity comes in. Insecurity, man, is crazy. Uh, that that would be a great talk on a podcast sometime is about insecurity. Yeah. And go after that whole thing. Insecurity in people like you and me or insecurity in people who uh, are, are, are unable unable to receive correction in any way, shape, or form? So, but uh, to answer your question, I think that's that's one of the root hooks that gets in us because we 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 all of a sudden, uh, with this blessing of God, have been given the responsibility to shepherd, mm-hmm. to lead. I'm just talking about the pastoral call here. But even if if it like I said earlier, if you were a a call to a doctor or a call to a lawyer or a call to a school teacher in a public school, whatever. Right. How do you handle that? You, you know, that power that can come into you. And, and uh, it's kind of like me when I first got saved, I was really, really mean to a lot of the people around me that weren't saved because I felt like I already have it now and this is great. And you're, you're less than, you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. That's just a seed of that little bit of a power mindset, power trip mindset. And uh, unfortunately, you can you can be a good preacher, right? Have a good voice, be a good worship leader, be called, but you can abuse, you can hurt, and that's that 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 takes us down the road. Here's the question you asked: Why why does God let that happen? 
I'll tell you why. Because he has nothing else to work with than flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. He's working with human beings who he knows messes up. And uh, that's why we have to believe for, and we have to believe in that God can restore. He can reconcile people. He can, uh, you know, uh, you know, call people back to callings. And uh, that doesn't mean it's automatic. You know, oh, you, somebody just said, I'm sorry for having an affair. Right. Or I'm sorry for embezzling $50,000. There needs to be a process where trust is built again. Mm-hmm. And uh, but But I do believe that's what the Bible says when it says the, the 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 calling is irrevocable is because I think God's always saying, come on, come on, come back, come right. back, because his heart's desire is to use us for the kingdom of God. And so, but, but again, free will mm-hmm. and sovereignty at work, uh, you know, liberty at work and using the liberty and the free will for an occasion of the flesh rather than an occasion of the spirit. Right. And so, so uh and a lot of us know people who have uh you know relationship with the power of god but there's no power in it mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the, you know the, the, it's weak of power i'm talking about god power right so not by might not by power but what by my spirit spirit does yeah. the lord so anyway so that's why i think uh god allows it uh, but but listen, he's not closing a blind eye to it. He's brokenhearted when his church falls. He's yeah. brokenhearted when marriages fall apart. He's brokenhearted when, <clears throat> you know, I call it uh, Christian incest. When 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 we're sleeping with our sister in the Lord or brother in the Lord, and mm-hmm. uh, it's not godly. It's not within the context of marriage. All of that stuff. And so uh, uh, we're called to be holy. We're called to God to be his son mm-hmm. uh, in the fellowship with his son. We're called to be, uh, you know, in service, but we're also called to to stand strong in in, in battle and uh, so forth. So, yeah. Hey, one, one thing I could talk about if if we have enough time, I don't know how, how long you wanted to go on this, but uh, but one thing we could talk about is I I got this a long time ago, but I added some some uh, but I, way back I used to go to the Willow Creek Association and I got some of this teaching. Uh, they still put that on every year and uh, but uh, but here's here's how you know when somebody is going to be a part of your team. Mm-hmm. How do you know they're called specifically to your team? And what are the characteristics that you're looking for? And I want to give you the ones that I have here that, and I could just hit them. I think your people would love this to take it away yeah. because I, I used to teach this, but I've added a few uh, to them and, uh, and they all begin with the letter C, which I'm sure you're surprised about with me, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. but uh, is it okay if I do that real quick? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. So the first thing you want to do, let's say somebody you're asking them, is this person able to be a pastor of our church? Is it so we're talking about assignments now? Is this person is this person assigned to be an elder on my board? Is this person assigned to be an assistant pastor in my church or a youth pastor in my church? So here's some things that I look for. Number one is the calling. So yeah. again, distinguishing the difference. Number one is the calling. 
Number two, you want to measure their commitment. Do they have a commitment to Christ? Do they have a commitment to love? Do they have a commitment to serve? Can you do a track record and find out what their track record is in other locations with their commitment? You know, and uh, number three, none of these are in priority. They're all they're all important. Mm -hmm. uh, number three is character, which, mm -hmm. you know, uh, how many people do you ask in an interview? What you know, do you have problems with pornography? <laughs> right. I bet I've never been asked that question. Right. Never. I've, and I, I, I mean, I've done all kinds of things. And I don't have a problem with pornography, just for the record. But my point is, is we 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 need to make sure we do our due diligence if if we want to have somebody be a part of our team, right? Uh, of our team in the area of character. So calling commitment character, and then do they have the competence? Um, you know, you you just introduced me to um, uh, Henry Cloud's podcast. Uh, that he did on uh, on on Carrie Newhoff's podcast. Right. It was it was phenomenal, man. And he was going after a whole new perspective on the teaching of competence. And of course, I'm going to use that stuff and mm -hmm. share everywhere I can. But but again, you don't want to have an assistant pastor who uh, who doesn't like people. Right. I know I cannot figure out how people are pastors who don't like people. Yeah. Part of the competency needs to be that you like people do you yeah. treat people horrible do you forget people do you not show up with when there's something very important in people's lives mm -hmm. uh what do you do do you do you not hang out with people when you should uh do you have favorites come on give me a break we need to be very very careful uh do we have competence not just in are we able to read and uh, uh, the scripture and exegete the scripture and do good hermeneutics and homiletics and yeah. all that stuff. That's competence too, but there's other areas of competence. Uh, and then courage. I'm looking for people with courage, courage to rebuke, courage to step strong, courage to step up to the plate, courage to take risks. You know, I don't want to have uh, somebody on my team who. Uh, it's got all these other characteristics, but they don't have the courage to say no to somebody. Uh, you know, just today, I, I, I can't go into it, obviously, but just today, I uh, uh, I had a call from a pastor, and he uh, mentioned that somebody was uh, giving him a hard time in his church, and and he told me all about this story, and he said, you 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 probably will expect a call from him, and he, blah, 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 and this pastor was humble, and he was trying to mm -hmm. tell me things were well sure enough i got a call from that i had a, i had to have the courage to call that man out i had to call yeah. him out hey, listen you don't have to go to that church you 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 got 500 churches within 10 miles from your church probably go to another church where you can be happy but you you don't have to be poking your finger up up the right. nose of the pastor i mean so what you don't agree with him get over it and either go on or repent you know right and, uh, but it took courage for me to do that so calling, commitment, character, competence, courage, conviction. I need to know if people around me have conviction. Yeah. Now, now those are the, the, the those are the let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six. I have them written on a piece of paper here. Uh, those are the six that I used to teach on. I got two more. Number so conviction, you know, obviously if, if somebody, for example, let, let's say that in my church and my ministry, I strongly, strongly believe in speaking in tongues. If if I'm not going to hire somebody that's against speaking in tongues, right. it's crazy. Why am I going to do that? They got to have convictions that related 
to me. So looking for people with similar convictions. Then two more, chemistry. This is Mm -hmm. important. Water is good and oil is good, but they don't mix. Yeah. I need to find vinegar. Yeah. If I'm I'm water, I got to find vinegar. Water and vinegar, they'll mix up a little bit and you can do some great things with water and vinegar and uh, make a good salad. But here's the deal. Uh, uh, is is chemistry has to be a part of it. You can have all the other things. Calling, calling is important. Yeah, you're gonna have chemistry. Uh, excuse me, commitment, character, competence, uh, courage, conviction. But if you don't, if you don't like me, guess what? It ain't gonna work. Right. If there's chemistry there, it's not gonna work. If that guy's got a jerk personality, it's not gonna work. Right. He be a great preacher he might be able to draw people to himself but behind closed doors if he's a jerk guess what you're not going to work with him so you're going to hopefully you find that out going in the door so that you'll understand what your calling is and then the last thing is is what i call uh culture Mm -hmm. Culture. and uh culture is important uh you know uh, uh uh the whole concept of uh do i fit in that culture yeah. Uh, that's not, not about chemistry. That's, you know, culture, uh, you know, is, 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 um, is the atmosphere that's created by right. a particular church or a particular ministry or a particular job. So you can have a calling. So all of those right there that I'm giving you right there, those eight are things that help us while we yet have a calling. Mm-hmm. You asked me, you asked me before, that's why I, why I wrote those down is those, those, those pertain to assignment, right? Not callings in there, but they pertain to assignment. And, and if I were looking to see if something I'm supposed to go do both either secular or ministerial or whatever, I want to know how am I doing in those areas in relationship to the job that's ahead of me, to the people who I want to bring in to be alongside of me in the job. Does that make sense? Yeah. Some of that, some of that stuff you can't find out uh, until you're really getting in there. And that's why I believe that uh, we need to test and prove callings, test and prove these kinds of things along the way. So anyway, sorry for taking all that there. I just thought that would be good, quick nuggets to have some of the elders teams that listen to you or other pastors or other mm-hmm. leaders out there. If they could take that teaching and run with it, it'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, that is, as incredible. I mean, I remember, uh, uh, Steve Hogan, my old boss telling me, you know, it, that he was told once, or he said it, I don't remember. I'm just going to say he said it. Cause it sounds like something he would say, like, uh, try to hire people you would, you would want to go on vacation with. And that kind of goes with that chemistry thing. Um, Absolutely. you don't always know that upfront. You may say like, oh, they seem like fun. They want someone nice. But then like you get to know them and all of a sudden like you may not want to go on vacation with them because you find some quirks you don't like. But um, I mean, I have so so many other questions and uh, we can get into it and we could maybe make this into a two part uh, episode and be a two part finale um, for the season, kind of like most TV shows do. But uh, I guess going back to the call on your life and being in the place of all of a sudden you have a call in your life. How, what's the measure of your doing well, right? Like some people will be like, oh, the measure is doing well because our church is growing 100, 200,000, 
2000, 3000, we're at six services on, uh, on a weekend or like that, like we're, we're building out, we're doing this. Like, that's what there's like a measure that versus like the, the pendulum swing to the false humility of, of the call. Like, Oh, you know, somebody's like, Oh, great word today. Oh, it's all God. You know, like and the heart is more yeah. like saying it to be liked in the calling rather than it's actually humility. And, um, yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying? They're like, what, what's the measure? What's the, what's how, how would you measure it? And like, without being like, I don't know, the, the I guess the question is like uh, success that just comes naturally. Yeah. <clears throat> you don't want to turn that away if God's doing something. And, but also you don't want it to go to your head and right. um, where's the balance and where's the, where's the, what's the scale on that? Yeah. Well, I think it's a, an amazing question and it's a, it's a long question. So, uh, well, there's, this is a short question, but a long, long answer. Cause I think it in, entails so many things. Right. I think it goes back to, um, uh, you know, um, I think, I think there's um, different elements of measurement. Um, number one, I think uh, if you look at the parable of talents, mm-hmm. uh, the parable of talents, um, you know, the the landowner gave people who were called to do certain jobs uh, different talents. Uh, he gave five to one and two to another and one to another. But at the end of the whole illustration of that parable, this was what this is what the landowner said, which is really a pointing to Jesus. And I think this is the overall measurement and that is watch this now have you been faithful with what you've been given because we're all given different measures Uh, the bible says in romans that we're we're given according to the measure that god distributed to us certain giftings you know and uh and uh in in the book of romans so those are you know considered the father gifts that come to us but Tying that over with a parable like that, I think the end of life, everybody I know says, I want to hear good and faithful servant. Right. You know, and I think sometimes we attach faithfulness to size or we attach faithfulness to success models that are related to, um, uh, you know, related to a worldly standard. Mm-hmm. But in parable, God said, hey, look, I didn't give everybody five talents. I gave this guy five talents. And I'll tell you why now. I can prove it. Now he has 10. And I gave this guy two talents, and I can prove it that he needed that. He's got. But notice, I didn't give you that talent. In right. fact, I, I gave you one talent, he says to the last guy. And you weren't faithful. God, mm-hmm. God knew at a time he wasn't going to be faithful. He didn't waste five on him. And I think what happens, Joe, uh, Josiah, is is this. If we've been blessed, watch this. If we've been blessed by God to be put into a position, our job is predominantly to water and plant, and then he will cause the increase. Mm. And what we have to do is be faithful in what we've been given. And uh, faithful in much and then faithful in little, whatever, whatever we have. And uh and so uh, I think the first form of measure, measurement is this. What are we doing with what's in our hand? 
Mm-hmm. What do we do with what's in our life? And I have to be honest, when I look at my journey all the way through, I, I didn't know I was to be called to a pastor uh, at first, it wasn't until 1980. That was two years after I got saved. And I didn't even know if I could do it. Uh, but here, here's here's one thing I knew is this. At that time, I was called to serve. And I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but in the church that I was a part of where I got saved, uh, they had this little room. And you'd go into that room. It was like a closet underneath the stage, mm. a platform. And that was the recording place. And my job was to push record at right at eight o'clock on Sunday morning so that I could record the service. And I recorded the music from that room. I record. Wow. And I was in that room all by myself, faithfully for almost a year in that room, becoming the sound person. And uh, the only commitment I had to make was if I did that in the first service, I would go to the second service so I could hear the teaching and in in the service so i would go to church from eight o'clock till noon every week in that baptist church and uh and uh you know but here's what i'm saying i was faithful pushing that little cassette recorder and push and record and then what i had to do is take that cassette out and people order tapes i had to duplicate them wow. in a high high speed duplicator i did that for a full year uh, on on sunday mornings after i got saved because I really enjoyed music. I enjoyed connecting. Now, I think God honored that. And with the measurement was, was I faithful with what mm. I was? Getting? So that's one area of measurement. Another area of measurement that measures me are the people in my life who have who have gone before me that I trust. Mm-hmm. I, people who have gone before me that I trust. Right. And so I I would ask people. I still do. Today, I still I still ask people, hey, what do you think about this situation I'm having to deal with? This is the way I think I'm going to approach it. Now, people come to me and ask me because I've got a few years under my belt now and people are coming to me. But don't kid me. I, I go to Ron Burgio and I say, hey, Pastor Ron, what, what do you think about this? I'm dealing with this situation. The measurement of how I'm going to stay in my calling to keep me out of trouble, to keep me in a good way is to do. Don't ask the question after I did it. Ask mm-hmm. the question ahead of time. Right. I, and so the measurement of accountability is not just accountability against something I did wrong, but accountability. Do you think it would be OK if I do this? And uh, I do that all the time with different people. And there's, oh, by the way, there's different people have different strengths. And so I would go to Ron Bertrand about one thing, and then I might go uh, to another leader about another thing. So, uh, uh, you know, if, if if I were, Mike Webster would be a person in the past that I would go to over anything doctrinally. I really felt like, you know, he's well studied. Uh, Ron Bertrand, I would go uh, talk to him over leadership stuff about how to handle uh, caringly shepherd leadership mm-hmm. problem, uh, you know, and uh, and again, different people sometimes. And so so the answer to that in this in a biblical way is counselors, many counselors. Mm-hmm. Do we have counselors? They they become a measurement of our faith or our faith walk, you know, and yeah. uh, don't just find people. Don't just find people that will tell you what you want to hear. Find people that tell you the truth. 
And if the truth is something you need to hear that doesn't settle with you, then uh, then you probably should uh, listen to it. Yeah. If it, especially if you trust the person. So those are two things. Uh, uh, you know, living a life of faithfulness is a measurement. Uh, not living a life of success per se. Success will come. Success will take place. But guess what? I think when we're done, the question for the guy who had two talents was, are you faithful? And the right. question for the guy who had one was, were you faithful? And he wasn't. And uh, God God causes the increase, but he needs to see you do more than bury your talent. Yeah. Is that helpful? I don't know if that's where you were heading, but. Yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think lastly, I just want to touch on this a little bit just because um we can um yeah is the topic i feel like there's a lot of this like pressure in in the church culture i've seen friends who uh feel this that pressure of i don't feel any worth unless i'm doing something Mm. ministry wise um if that's worship leading missionary um missionary work or uh pastoring or whatever it looks like helping in kids church or whatever um and they feel like church culture is the hierarchy and everything else and like you know nursing or um being a barista or whatever it is is lower class within the church context you know i even to the point where you know one of my friends um you know, he, you know, somebody asked him like, so what do you, what are you doing now? And he said, oh, I'm, you know, doing stunt work or helping, you know, with in doing movie commercials and stuff. And then they're like, no, no, like what, but what are you doing for the kingdom? And he was like, right. I'm doing, you know, martial <laughs> arts and, you know, stunt, stunt work and stuff like that. And yeah. uh, how would you speak into those, those, those callings? Like, obviously you, you said earlier, like we're all called to the great commission. Uh, where we are stewarding that well in our jobs, but yep. what would you say to um, that that topic of yeah uh, somebody who's like I'm not I don't feel any desire to mm. be on a stage I don't have no desire to be in ministry I love God I love what I'm doing I am called to be a nurse I'm called to be a lawyer I'm called to be a uh, blue collar on my hands um in the dirt landscaper whatever it is what would you say to that yeah i think i think i'd like to to answer that in several ways i hope i can get everything that was going off in my brain when you were asking because it's a multifaceted uh right uh, question to be answered and so i'm going to give you a bunch of different things i'm just going to shoot them at you real quick so let me just paraphrase the question again for your for your audience and that is you know, I think you started out with kind of that that sense of guilt that can come from somebody who's not necessarily uh, at any given time in their life uh, following God with a call to serve in the local church or right. serve ministry that seems to be. Well, first and foremost, I think that we have to be obedient to God. Okay. I mean, hands down, we have to be obedient to God. And if God is is uh I, I mean we can play games and pastors can manipulate and all kinds of people can make guilt trips and stuff like that but at the end of the day i would say you know 
is there a peace in your heart? Is there a peace of God ruling in your heart about doing certain things or not doing certain things? And uh, I, I would say, uh, now being on the side of a pastor that would be needing people to help in the nursery or needing people to help, you know, uh, count money or anything in the church, uh, right. teach a class, show up at a men's group and all that kind of stuff. I would say if an individual anyone any individual is running from something then deal with that deal with yeah. that first deal with that go and be honest and say hey you know what the reason i'm not right now uh is because i'm i've got marriage problems at home or i'm having difficulties with my kids let's just get honest about mm -hmm. the fact that there may be legitimate reasons it could even be uh, addictions that are taking place uh don't hide behind that stuff let's get it out in the open so that somebody can talk about it listen get it out in the open by your choice not be not because you move to a point where your addiction is exposed on you you know get it out there and be honest uh, uh and and again if you've got marital problems you don't need to continue to feel the pressure uh i, I think people get burned out in marriages, burned out in workplaces. Uh, we just came through uh, the last three years uh, with a absolutely crazy crisis with the COVID-19 pan pandemic stuff. People mm -hmm. have freaking out. They lost their jobs. They lost their homes. Uh, they showed up and found out that the, all the free money they got, they had to pay for taxes on and all kinds of crazy stuff happened to us uh during that time and all of a sudden it's like what happened did god leave me did god didn't, no, no god didn't leave us but there's, right. a, there's a multitude of reasons why somebody needs to take a break needs to take a rest but here's what i feel is 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 we need to get honest with leadership about why we need to take the break mm -hmm. now that doesn't mean you stay there because we are called to serve. We are called to love. We are called to not forsake the assembling of together, of, of, of being in, in, in events together as church and right. home groups and stuff. We're called to that. But again, to lead it, to show up every week and feel like you got to be there. You're not, none of that stuff should be forced upon any of us. Number two, because I said multifaceted, is this. Nobody should feel guilty. In fact, they should feel very honored that God hasn't called them to pastor, hasn't called them to a church ministry. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you're doing church ministry and you're not called, you are going to die. You're yeah. going to suffer. You're going to have, uh, you know, people people come to me and they say, say to me, uh, boy, you would be a great boss of some company, Chris. You, you have such good leadership skill. Listen, I never... Listen, when God called me to ministry, he called me out of that. Mm -hmm. I could go back into that. And maybe I should have gone back in ways. But guess what? God has provided for me. And I've got children uh, and grandchildren are coming up who love Jesus. That's a big gift to me that you can't put a price on for right. me. And so at the end of the day, I would say uh, do not feel um second class citizen because a kingdom kingdom of god citizen because you are an excellent doctor an excellent lawyer an excellent person that works at walmart or works at target or wherever you work 
it, it's 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 okay. You do not have to be called to full time ministry or ministry in a way. Uh, but but again, there are principles that are attached to us being called as sons and daughters of God, and that is. We, we're called to serve. We're called to love. We're called to be a part of. And that, by the way, is a part of the development that can take place in our walk with the Lord. Yeah. But again, I already gave you the first reason, and that is because you may not be want, you, you may, you'd be harmful to yourself and others if you get out there and do ministry and you're bitter inside and yeah. you're broke inside. So, so I, I think that world of people that you're referring to that feel guilty because they don't really want to be involved right now. There's usually something going on in their lives. They're a little embarrassed about they're struggling through. It could be emotional. It could be history. It could be, uh, it could be financial pressures. It could be a, a myriad of things. And I, I, I would just say, you know, you gotta, as long as you're not escaping is not mm -hmm. a, don't escape from the presence of God, from the, for the kingdom of God, don't escape from the mindset of people who really do genuinely love you, not because of what you can do, but they love you for you. So I think that's, that's what I would say. Does that help? That's great. Yeah. That's great. Well, there's so much more we could talk about and I'm sure you'll be on again in future seasons and Good. whatnot. And um, I know everybody wants books from you, especially me. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's a good way to make, well, no, it's not a good way to make money. Um, no, it's you know, not. But, um, <laughs> unless people know you, which people yeah. know you, so yeah, they won't they won't buy as many as you as you probably sold. Listen, yeah. I I don't know right now what book I would have to really wait upon the Lord. Um, I definitely think there's some things out there that are probably aren't being written about that I could contribute to, but I don't want to personally. I don't want to contribute to stuff that's already written so well. Uh, and you know, I'm an avid reader, so. Right. Uh, but I will say this, I, I, I appreciate you as a son always spurring me on to do a podcast or to do, and I'm so proud you're doing it and uh, grateful that you've written a book. And uh, there was a time when I really felt like I had a book, but you know what? I waited so long because I was so busy doing the book in in life that I didn't take the time to write it. And uh, I, I've seen two books out there that I've read that completely 100% could have been written by me. And I mm -hmm. think- I think that um, I'm glad somebody else got to do it. But uh, at the end of the day, um, I get to do this with you. And this is a highlight for me. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be on the season finale of this episode uh, yeah. and uh, or, or this season. And uh, yeah, I definitely will have you on again. And is there any last thoughts you have? Um how can people look into Elon Fellowship or and you're not very active on social media? So, um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I'm not at all active on right. social media. All I do is look at everybody else's social media because it tells me a lot about them. Right. But, uh, but you know, uh, I do have once in a while I'll, I'll post something. Uh, but yeah, if somebody wants to reach out to me in any way, shape or form, 
they can just go to Elon Fellowship's website and it's, uh, you know, they've got my email listed there. It's elonfellowship.org and uh, they can get on that as well. And, uh, you know, um, I think at the, at the end of the day, um, if I remember right, you, I don't know if you've asked me this before, maybe you did, but but I know at the end of your podcast, because I listened to it, you asked the question about uh, authenticness. Mm-hmm. So what, what does it mean to you? So let me just say, I think, um authenticity for me uh if i could just say and I'm, so many of your guests have given tremendous answers uh and i would just be probably uh adding to what they've already said but um but i i just think ultimately the authentic you is the you that god designed in the womb mm-hmm. he said Jeremiah, he said, I knew you before you entered the womb. I designed you before that. And Mm -hmm. I believe God has a design for every single person. And what we need to do is get in touch with the creator so that we, with his help, with his grace, with his mercy, with his gifts, we become exactly what we sense his plans were for us, what exactly what his design was for us and and uh and accept that and be thrilled with that to me that's the authentic you that i want to be and uh, i would say today right now in every area of my life right now i would say i believe i'm being as authentic as i can which is in li- in alignment with god's very design for me awesome yep awesome all right all right well thanks again all right. Well, God bless you, son. I love you. You're you're amazing, and uh, you're doing a great job. And uh, can't wait to hear what you're going to do next season. So take Me care. Too. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. All right. See you later. Bye. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode, the season finale of season two of Your Authentic Life. Uh, again, uh, if you were listening, if you heard in the beginning, we are officially done with season two and we are going to be starting up season three come august 18th so put it in your calendars the first episode of season three will be august 18th and we'll go through the holidays and then we'll take a break again until season four and it's going to be great i have already tons of people lined up who are going to be on season three that i know you're going to love to hear from so uh stay tuned we're gonna have a couple bonus episodes over the summer uh, probably two bonus episodes and a couple trailers for season three. Get ready. It's going to be exciting. Go back, share, follow, listen to more episodes over and over again. And we'll see you August 18th. You always said you want me on the show. Well, here I <laughs> Stop. <laughs>